welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Guys, let's, uh, let's just smile real quick. Can we all just smile? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about you guys, but this cold, it is extremely hard to smile in. And uh, I read something somewhere that said that Smiling is very healthy for you. It affects your attitude, so let's just all smile at each other. <laughs> I'm very excited that I get to bring the message this morning. It's such an honor to be a part of this, this group of people. Uh, Julie and I love to serve with you, to serve you, uh, to serve with Evan and Sarah. We just we love you guys, and it's so awesome that we get to be a part of what God is doing in Cleveland through our ministry together. It's, it's awesome. So as Eben said, that we're going to begin, we're going to begin a new series uh, that I felt the Lord place on my heart, First and Second Timothy. The reason it's called Paul's direct message is because I was thinking about what would this look like uh, if, for, for those of you who may not who may be new to First and Second Timothy, First and Second Timothy is a letter that was written from Paul to Timothy, uh, and and I thought, what would this look like if if Paul had written this letter today, 2019? Uh, and I was thinking, like, it, it, would it be like a, a tweet? Would he have tweeted it out to his followers and then like tagged Timothy? Uh, I don't think it would have been that. I think it would have been more of a DM, a direct message, right? Something that was very personal, intimate, a direct message to Timothy. And the cool thing about being in the 21st century, being in 2019, is that we get an opportunity uh, to kind of like get a sneak peek and look at uh, the wisdom that was being imparted from one leader to another leader, an older leader to a younger leader, so let's go ahead and pray. What I want to do is I want to, I want to read through First, First Timothy 1. It's going to be, I'm going to kind of read through it quick. We're reading through the message. So if you want to turn or swipe there while I'm praying, we're going to go through it real quick. And then I want to give you guys a quick overview. We're going to look at two points, and I'm going to do a little preface before we get into it. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for, for showing up. Thank you for being here. Thank you that we get to... Uh, we get to be a part of the work that you're doing, uh, that we get to be empowered people. And I just, I speak that over my friends this morning, that I pray that you would empower us, continue to empower us, and most importantly, help us to realize that we are empowered. We love you, we worship you, Yahweh, and we pray this in in the mighty name of Jesus. So if you guys are there, First Timothy, I brought my Bible up, but I've, I've recently realized that my, my vision is going a little bad, so I had to make it large print. I had to go from 12 to 14, font. <laughs> I'm not 16 yet, but we'll, pretty soon. I told Julie, I'm not getting bifocals, whatever happens, I'll just, I'll bring out my reading glasses. <clears throat> All right, so I'm going to read off this page. I promise you it is from the message. So I, Paul, am an apostle on a special assignment from Christ, our living hope. Under God, our Savior's command, I'm I'm writing this to you, Timothy, my son in, in the faith. 
all the best from God and Christ be yours. On my way to the providence of Macedonia, I advised you to stay in Ephesus. Well, I haven't changed my mind. Stay right there on top of things so that the teaching stays on track. Apparently, some people have been introducing uh, fantasy stories and fanciful family trees that digress into silliness instead of pulling the people back into the center, deepening faith and obedience. The whole point of what we're urging is simply love. Love uncontaminated by self-interest and counter-faith. A life open to God. Those who fail to keep to this point soon wander off into cul-de-sacs of gossip. They set themselves up as experts on religious issues, but having the remotest idea of what they're holding forth with such imposing eloquence. It's true that the moral guidance and counsel need to be given. But the way that you say it and to whom you say it are as important as what you say. It's obvious, isn't it? That the law code isn't primarily for people who live responsibly, but for the irresponsible who defy all authority. Riding roughshod over God, life, sex, truth, whatever, they are contemptuous of this great message I've been put in charge of by this great God. I'm so grateful to Christ Jesus for making me adequate to do this work. He went out on a limb, you know, trusting me with this ministry. The only credentials I brought in were invective and witch hunts and arrogance. But I was treated mercifully because I didn't know what I was doing, didn't know who I was doing it against. Grace mixed with faith and love poured over and into me all because of Jesus. Here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I'm going to say that again. Here's a word that you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I'm proof, public sinner number one, of someone who could have never, never have made it apart from sheer mercy. And now he shows me off evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. Deep honor, bright glory to the king of all time. One God, immortal, invisible, ever and always. Oh, yes. I'm passing this on to you, Timothy. The prophetic word that was directed to you prepared us for this. All these prayers are coming together now so that you do this well, fearless in your struggle, keeping a firm grip on your faith, and trusting in faith and on yourself. After all, this is a fight that we're in. There are some of you, uh, you know, who uh, relax their grip and, and thinking anything goes have made a thorough mess of their faith. Hymenius and Alexander of two of them. I let them wander off to Satan to be taught a lesson or two about not blaspheming. Isn't that wonderful? This morning's message is called Stay in Love. So what, I, what I've realized about when I was studying this, this scripture is that, because uh, well, I, I told Evan, I think I want to write a message about, or a sermon series about First and Second Timothy. 
And then I started reading First and Second Timothy, and I was like, I, I called him back, and I was like, I think I don't want to write a message about First and Second Timothy. Because <laughs> there, there's a lot of things that, that you'll see as we go through First and Second Timothy that kind of strike some chords in our heart in the 21st century that are kind of a little bit like, ugh, I don't, I don't quite understand. And so what I've come to realize through the Holy Spirit speaking to me is that understanding first and second Timothy is in a way understanding the methodology of the whole of scripture. So a lot of what we read in this DM, this direct message from Paul to Timothy is, is spiritual truth, heavenly truths and heavenly applications. But then there are also some cultural truths with cultural applications mixed in. And when I say cultural truths, I mean uh, things that were applicable to one specific group that may not be uh, applicable to us today. The way that we decipher this is, is allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us through the scripture in prayer and meditation, by seeking wise counsel, by uh, studying the word. And the Holy Spirit, through, through wise mentors and leaders, will reveal to us what is, what is actual heavenly truths and what is uh, maybe cultural truths. And you'll see that. Like for, for instance, what I mean by that is whenever you see Yahweh enter the scene, right, if he's talking with Abraham, one of the things that's always frustrated me is he doesn't address, like, his wives' situation, right? Like, we're like, well, Genesis 1 talks about, like, Adam and Eve, and, like, God, like, why aren't you addressing this issue? Like, this is a pretty big issue in my, in my mind. As a married man, I, I'm always wondering, like, like why, why are you not addressing this, this topic, right? Uh, and... I don't have a solid answer for you guys, unfortunately, uh, other than the fact that what I've seen about God is that when he comes into earthly culture, he doesn't completely turn it on his head, right? He, he, he ushers in the kingdom of God, but he doesn't just like flip it, right? So for instance, if God would have come to Abraham and said, hey, Abraham, you know, I'm going to make you father of many nations, we're going to do all this great stuff, uh, but, oh, by the way, you, you can only have one wife. What would have happened to his other wives? Well, he would have said, sorry, you're out of here. And in that day and age, uh, women, unfortunately, weren't, weren't viewed very well. Uh, they didn't have a lot of worth in, in their day, according to the culture. And so they would have been on their own. And so these women would have been uncared for, and then they probably would have ended up who knows where. And so in order to make sure that they were taken care of, God worked outside of heavenly culture in earthly culture. And then, as, as we've come up today, we've seen that heavenly culture is prevailed, and, uh, and so we have, you know, a better, a better situation. I'll come back to this, because I want to talk about it a little bit more in depth, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. See, so the God who created us knows our limitations, right? And so he's very gentle in his approach to redemption. He doesn't just come into the scene and try to fix every single thing in our life, right? But he comes in and he focuses on a few things, allowing earthly culture to be there, and then he, and then he slowly ushers in heavenly culture. Jesus says in John three twelve, uh, and this is the Jeff paraphrase, of course, um, hey guys, you don't understand earthly things, uh, how much more confused are you gonna be if uh, I start talking to you about heavenly things, right? So as we see, as we read through Paul's letter, we see heavenly and earthly cultural differences play out. And although 
the cultural, there are many cultural differences. We have to remember that, that the heavenly culture is the overriding and most important thing. So when we read through First and Second Timothy, uh, I want us to keep in the back of our mind Galatians 3.28, that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When the kingdom of heaven is completely ushered in, when heavenly culture is completely ushered in, we will see complete equality of the saints. That's why, that's why it should be our, our job, our, our goal as Christians to usher in equality. Right? So, yeah, maybe, and you're going to see in, in Timothy 2, where it talks about women in leadership. And, and that's really most of what I'm trying to hint at, that, that, that there are earthly cultural things that are in the mix, right? But our job as the kingdom of heaven, or as, as, the, as, as people of the kingdom of heaven, is to usher in equality. This is a little off topic, and I don't want to get too, too far away. But I, I, well, yeah, I won't get into that today. Never mind. <laughs> Next time. Let me stick to the script. So, the first, the first point of our two points that we're going to be looking at this morning is stay where you are. So we saw um, verse, verse 3. On my way to the province of Macedonia, I advise you to stay in Ephesus. Well, I haven't changed my mind. Stay right there on top of things so that teaching stays on track. So the sub, first sub-point, understand where you are, is that you are called to your city. I think as, as a millennial, uh, I found that I have I become increasingly uncomfortable with, with staying put. Like our culture tells us, and you read on BuzzFeed articles, how you should be going uh, to all these major cities and moving and getting the next tech job or uh, doing this, that, and the other. And, and we become extremely uncomfortable with staying in one place, right? It was our parents' generation that put roots down, uh, but um, I can't remember the name of that, uh, the artist. She goes, I've got no roots. You know what I'm saying? I got no roots. Oh, we'll listen to it later. Uh, <laughs> When we're hanging out, you know. Uh, but, like, that's our thing. That's my generation's thing is I've got no roots. I don't want to lay down roots. Like, it's, it's like roots mean that you're tied down and we're free spirits. We want to blow with the wind. And I, I feel that the, the, the word for us this morning is that you were called to Cleveland. If you're sitting in this room right now, you were called to Cleveland. That doesn't mean that God can't call you on to another place. And that doesn't mean that it's less spiritual if he does. But be productive where you're at. The second sub point is that you are called to fix the problems in your city. I don't know about you guys. If I can be completely transparent with you. Whenever I read through the the New Testament and the Old Testament. And I don't see Yahweh fix the problem. Or I don't see Jesus fix the problem. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. Right? So Jesus we know he's come and gone. Right? But we still have a heroin epidemic in Cleveland. We still have a government shutdown that's leaving hundreds of thousands of, of employees without a paycheck. 
We have people that are at the border that, that, are, that are starving and families are separated. Not to get preachy at you guys, although that's kind of what I'm doing this morning. We have, and this is our own country, we have so much division. And so I, I, I get frustrated sometimes with Jesus and saying, Jesus, why aren't you doing this? And what I found is, is that I'm putting on something that, on Jesus that Jesus didn't put on himself. And Jesus says, no, 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 Jeff, that's your job. If, if we're to be empowered people, right, then we are the ones that are going to fix the heroin epidemic, We are going to be the ones that are going to go into our schools and bring peace. We are going to be the ones that usher in the kingdom of God through love. I I think that, like, I get hung up on this all the time, but if I want to fix Cleveland, it's my responsibility to do it. It's, It's your responsibility to do it. The question that the Holy Spirit posed to me for myself, and I'll ask you, is do I view myself as a world changer? I would love for you guys to ask yourself that this week. Do I view myself, whatever my age, whether I'm 30, whether I'm 13, whether I'm 73 or 93, am I a world changer? So you were called, this is the third sub-point, understay where you are. You were called to bring truth and to be truth. I love this, N.T. Wright expresses, I love N.T. Wright. Uh, he expresses that the utmost, it is the, of the utmost importance that we keep our faith public. Not in a sense of Bible bashing or thumping people over the head, but that we are, that we are who we are, um, Christians, you know? Like, I don't know, so, okay, the Holy Spirit convicted me of this recently. So, uh, Eben and I are going to Tanzania in three weeks, and uh, we're going to be working with uh, local pastors in Ringa, and it's going to be incredible. And, and people ask me what I'm doing when I go to Africa, and I say, I'm working with a nonprofit, helping local leaders. When what I should be saying is, is that I'm going to work with believers and we're going, to be, uh, we're going to be teaching and healing people, right? But what do I say? I get scared and I don't want to like, I'm just working with a nonprofit, which is true, but what am I really doing? I'm really going to bring the gospel. The second point this morning is simply love. Simply love. I can't express this enough. Love, love, love. I think it's verse 15. Yeah, here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think needs to be packaged in love. And this isn't like... This isn't like we're handing out a, a candy-coated Advil uh, uh, with painkillers to people, right? Where it's like we wrap our, like our painkiller with love and we're like, here you go, friend. This is not like that. This needs to be, uh, this needs to be inf- love needs to be infused in, in the, um, when, we meet, when we meet people's needs. One of the other questions that the Holy Spirit asked me this week was, how many times in a day... When, when I'm interacting with someone, do I think about how I'm loving that person? That, that's really huge. I'll say that again. 
How many times in a day when I'm interacting with somebody do I think about how I'm, I'm loving them? So I'm at the gas station, and I'm, I'm talking to the attendant, and I'm paying for my gas and my energy drinks, right? Am I thinking about how I'm loving this person? Or if I'm talking to a customer or a patient, am I thinking about how I'm loving them? How about this husband's when you're talking to your wife? I'm, um, if I gave myself, I'd be 3.4 stars out of five if this was a Yelp review for Jeff as a husband, Right? I'm working on getting to that four stars. Come on, guys. Wake up. No, but I mean, think about it. How many times when, when we're about to get into a, a discussion with, our, with our, our, our spouse or our children or our family member, and, and how many times do we, do we think to ourselves while we're processing through what we're about to say while they're talking? Um, how many of you guys do that? Um, how, how are we thinking that how am I loving this person? I think as Christians and and and, and myself included, we're so we're so concerned with with telling people that they're going to hell uh, that we we sometimes. We sometimes push, we push them away instead of pull them in, right? Like, I've been, I've, I've been there. I, I'm not on social media anymore, but when I had some social media, when I had Facebook, it was like lazy Christian syndrome. I would post how, three steps on how to become more like Christ or three steps on why you're going to hell, right? Whatever, whatever it was. And like that was like my way of like witnessing, or I didn't. I didn't really say that. Sarah's like, really? I'm glad we're not friends on Facebook. No, no, I wouldn't be like that. But you know, you you would somebody would post something, and then you would comment underneath it, and then you get into this cycle of you know, we we felt we feel like there's like this innate desire that we feel like if we don't just tell everyone about Jesus in that moment, that like that we're going to be responsible for their, for their future. One of the best things that my father's ever told me is that relationships are like bank accounts and you cannot withdraw from a relationship unless you've invested into that relationship. Relationships, if you were going to tell somebody advice, if you're going to invest it, you have to invest in them first. You cannot just go up to somebody, um, you, you know, like, you go up to somebody and, and you're just like, hey, you're sleeping with your girlfriend and you're going to go to hell. And let me tell you three ways that, about Jesus and how he died for you. And they're like, like, we're not even friends. Like, I, I'm just standing here at this, I'm just standing at this bus stop. Like, who are you? Like, you need to know. And, and uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I want to camp out here just for a quick second because I don't want to rush through, but I want to say this. I want to say a couple of things here real quick. Morality is important, okay? The law is important. Doing the right thing is important. Being honest about sin is important. 
But if all we're doing is simply shouting from the rooftops about people's sin, if all we're doing is shouting at people from rooftops about their sin, we're missing the most important quality of who God is, and that is love. See, Jesus did the hard work. Jesus did the hard, hard work. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like he didn't, he didn't, he could have from heaven tweeted about, you know, like, hey guys, believe in me. You know, he could have done that. He could have easily sat from the comfort of his of his living room and then just and then just taught us about, you know, had some friends write write four gospels about him and like the he could have easily done that. But what he didn't do is that. What he did do is he left the comfort of, of his couch. I imagine it was a really comfortable vegan leather couch <laughs> up in heaven. Hey, we're, we're the ones who introduced uh, killing animals. Vegan leather, it's very nice. He's sipping on a oat smoothie. Thinking about us. It's got a sweet beard. Uh, this is how I view Jesus. Most loving, loving person in the world. And what the most loving person did was he got off, off of his couch. And he went and humbled himself to the point of becoming completely reliant on an individual. He, he put... The God of the, of the universe put his life in the hands of one young teenage girl, which shows you, ladies, how important you are. He definitely didn't put it in, in the hands of a man. He put, he put his life in the hands of, of a mother, of a young mother, and then went through the whole process went through the whole process of growing up, went through the whole process of becoming a teenager, going through those terrible years, right? Then he became an adult and he paid taxes like the rest of us. Talk about the worst, right? I'm just kidding. Tax returns coming up. Maybe if we have one. (laughs) And And then he went into ministry and then he went and he died. And he carried the weight of all of our sins. All of the people that have ever lived, all of the people that ever will live, he took all of that guilt and all of that shame, all of that remorse, all of that, 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 uh, that darkness that is, that is seeping in the corners of our heart. He took all of that on himself so that people could be free. And so that is what love is about. So when you ask yourself when you're talking to a coworker, how can I how can I bring light to this person? Do the hard thing and become their friend. Do the hard thing and pick them up from the airport. Do the hard thing and be with them while they're, maybe they're going through the divorce or they're at the hospital. Do the hard thing. And, I, and I, every, every word that I speak out to you guys, I'm speaking to myself because it is, it is difficult to get up off of your couch and to love. It is easier to send out 140 characters than it is to get up and drive 140 miles.
And, and lastly, in all of our efforts to win the lost, we have to remember that we were once lost. It's so easy to get prideful when we go a week without falling into sin. And I promise you, church, I promise you, friends, that if you bring an an air of arrogance into your efforts of evangelism, you will lose every time. Humility is the only way to be a friend, to encourage others, and to win the lost. Now, I want to take some time in worship. Do you want to come up and, and do your thing? Yeah, sorry, I didn't, I didn't really tell you that. But I, this morning, if you guys will close your eyes, I want to just kind of camp out here in the presence of the Lord.